and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line, but for the first time on video, Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, how's it going? I'm sorry for the listeners that you have to see us, but uh, this is a new feature that you're going to have to get used to. How are you, David? I'm good. How are you? Um, good. We, we've got, uh, obviously, playoffs right on the horizon. Uh, we're talking Wednesday morning, so we know, uh, we don't know the Heat's opponent, but we know the important thing. They're not playing the Nets. Um, after the Nets, uh, looked pretty good last night. It sounds like I was at a Panthers game, um, so I didn't see much of the highlights and the box score and stuff like that, but sounds like they looked really good last night. Um, now they, the Celtics get the, the luxury of playing them. The Heat will either play, uh, well, there's still three teams out there. We'll, we'll have, by the time this post, we'll, it'll be narrowed down to two. Yeah. Um, and we'll know on Friday ahead of that Sunday game, but you know, when we talked last week, we were like, oh, we're not going to know who the Heat's playing in the first round. And, and I said, you know, maybe the Nets will win Tuesday night, and that's all we care about. Because, like, we, we basically said it last week. Those other three teams are all, like, the Heat might sweep them or, or win in five. Um, whereas, you know, they're, they're kind of all the same to me. And, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to play the Hawks just because of, of Trey and – um, you know, their pedigree, obviously, going to the East Finals last year. Um, they have playoff experience, even if it doesn't kind of feel like that because of how uh, right. immature they have felt for a lot of this season. Um, but the important thing is is they're not playing the Nets, right? Yeah, that's the big uh, takeaway from this week, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, I that's all that, we were cared about. And, and I'll say this, like, I'm not as scared of the Nets as most people, I would say. Like, obviously, it's not ideal to face Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. But I don't think, like, I think Boston's going to beat Brooklyn. I think the Heat would have beaten Brooklyn. I think maybe it would, yeah. it would have been a longer series than if you're facing Charlotte or Atlanta or Cleveland, obviously. But I, I'm not, like, one of these people. You know, I, I think Brooklyn's favored in the series against Boston. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy man. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and even last night, like, they need, like, amazing games from KD and Kyrie. I think Kyrie started, like, 10 for 10 or 11 for 11 from the field. And they still won, like, by five points. At yeah. home, with a team missing their starting center, all-star center, Jared Allen. Yeah. Um, so they're not – I mean, they have two really good players, but overall as a team, they're not great. Their defense is not good. Um, but anyway, yeah, it is It is a positive that the Heat now – not only are they not facing Brooklyn, but we look at the bracket overall, it's a perfect bracket. I think we spoke about this a few weeks ago, David. Like, yeah. What would be the perfect bracket for the Heat? I think they got it. Um, yeah, you get one of those non-Brooklyn players yeah. in the first round, and then uh, you know Philly slides. Philly or Toronto, yeah. Philly or Toronto, and you know obviously Austin, Toronto has been been feisty, and I, I think they're. I kind of feel like they're maybe better than people have kind of given them credit for. It feels like people have kind of taken notice over the last few weeks. You know, it sounds like Scotty Barnes might win Rookie of the Year. Um, You've got, obviously, you know, Pascal Siakam in conversation for an all-NBA spot. Fred Van Vliet is probably, you know, kind of not not going to get one of those spots, I, I don't think. But, you know, obviously like an all-star type guy. All de- all defensive, maybe. All defense. Yeah. Um, they've been good all year. I mean, they were yeah. always were kind of the team that, that gave the Heat fits. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously there, I, there's a clear – to me there are clear tiers in the East, right? It was Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, um, above, I think, everyone else by the end of the season. Then, you know, Philly, Toronto, and probably Brooklyn in that next tier. And Chicago the Heat, fell off, yeah. Yeah, Chicago fell off too hard, I think. And, you know, you're not going to have to face 
one of those top-tier teams until you get to the conference finals, which is, like, that's what you're, what's supposed to happen when you're a one seed, but given how tightly packed things were into the final week of the season, it was not a guarantee, and, and like you said, it, it kind of fell perfectly for the Heat. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you don't have to see Milwaukee, Brooklyn, or or Boston until the conference finals. Yeah, I to mean, me, those are, three, yeah. I, those, those are the three scariest teams, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, I mean, the second – I'm not getting ahead of myself, but you, who knows what happens in the first right. round. But yeah, if yeah. the Heat make it past the first round – I mean, yes, Philly is not going to be an easy opponent. Anytime you're facing James Harden and Joel Embiid, that's going to be a challenging series. And Toronto has given the Heat problems, although I think Toronto's depth will be an issue in the playoffs. Um, they play like six deep <laughs> for the most part. Um, so I don't know how that's going to fare in the postseason, but let's say it is Philly. That's going to be a tough series, but I think at this point you'd rather face them than Boston, Milwaukee, maybe Brooklyn. I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not huge on Brooklyn, but yeah, like it's, it's a, it, the bracket is set up for the Heat to make a run to the conference finals. And then from there, we'll see what happens. But I think everything is set up for them to make make these finals if they do what they're supposed to do. What, uh, out of these three um, remaining play-in teams, is there is there one that, that you think gives the Heat the toughest time? I, I think I think Atlanta, yeah. just because I, they have the best player, Trey Young, out of the three, I would say, even though... Um, Garland is very good. I think yeah. Trey Young is still better. Um, and they have experience, like you said. Um, they were just in the conference finals last year. They have some good complementary players, although the injury of John Collins is big for them. Not having John Collins hurts them a lot, especially in a matchup with the Heat. Um, so I think the Heat, probably like five or six games with any of those teams. Maybe Atlanta takes them to six. Yeah, um, right, because Trey but, win a game or two, right? Like yeah, that. I would I say, I, yeah, I don't think the Heat sweep Atlanta. I could see five or six games with Atlanta. Um, uh, besides that, I mean, yeah, Cleveland has given the Heat problems, I guess, this year. They won two out of three against Miami, but the two the two times they beat Miami, Jimmy and Bam didn't play, so I don't know how much you want to take away from that. The the one game Jimmy and Bam did play, they won. He won. Um, so I don't think they have much of a problem with Cleveland. And Charlotte, I think, is probably the worst of the three. Um, yeah. With Gordon Hayward being out and just the way their defense and the issues they have on that end of the court. Yeah, just, we just saw like, the Heat kind of whooped them a few weeks 40, back. Yeah, 140-plus points, win by 30. So, yeah, I, to me, I think it's Atlanta-Cleveland are the two toughest opponents, and I would give an edge to Atlanta just because of Trey and, and their playoff experience. Yeah. Um, as for what we're seeing with the Heat, you know, we, by the time we talk, we'll be – by the time we talk next, they'll be, what, two games into the series? Um, yeah. We obviously – you know, this is kind of our last chance to really, like, preview their run – and as we've talked about a lot, this Heat team has been kind of, um, I think, a team we feel like we kind of know what they are. Um, and I think, you know, they obviously had that four-game losing streak, what, a month back now, basically. And, and since then, have kind of gotten back to, to what they are. We've seen some rotation changes. You wrote about that um, this morning, I guess. I think that story went up. Um, with We obviously saw Victor Oladipo over the weekend uh, go for 40. Um are you expecting the Heat to, you know, they've got, obviously they got a week basically to like think about this and maybe the matchup will determine it. And the nice thing, again, that they're the one seed playing against a team that's going to be basically a real eight seed. I don't think Brooklyn was a real eight seed. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of have the luxury to like kind of, I think, settle into the playoffs in a way that obviously like Boston is going to be playing super competitive games day one uh, as soon as their run starts on Saturday. Um are you kind of expecting the Heat to look the same way they did to finish? Not obviously not the Orlando game where you know Victor Oladipo is not going to get to score forty points, but are you kind of expecting the Heat to look 
once the playoffs starts the way they looked uh, as the right in the final week of the regular season. Assuming PJ Tucker is healthy and available, and assuming Bam is clear protocols by then, mm-hmm. which I think is the hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I, I really do. I think the Victor story is is, is a good one. Uh, you know, ha- happy for him that he's yeah, awesome. kind of come back and he's gonna be a free agent this year. That was a big night for him. Um, I know it's only one game, but still, just to show that he still has that in him um, is important, and I'm sure it feels good for him. Um, but I just still think that what we saw the final few weeks of the regular season will hold for now. Um, I, I Because you, you hear exposure talk, you hear the players talk, it's been all about maximizing Jimmy, maximizing Bam, and Tyler and Kyle, but really maximizing Jimmy, and then Bam as well, with the shooters around them, you know, and, and creating space, and they're playing more small, you know, smaller lineups with Jimmy at the four, and then one more shooter out there instead of Marquis for Victor. Um, and it's working. I mean, the offense was elite those final few weeks. It was only like five or six games, but it was a, you know, they played Boston. Yeah. They played some tough games, and the offense looked very good. Jimmy shot close to 60% from the field. Bam played really well. So it works. So I think they will stick with it. I think there will be spots where maybe Victor's needed in the playoffs. I don't think he's, not, like, he's just not going to play. Mm-hmm. I think there will be spots where he's needed. Maybe they need this offensive spark, mm-hmm. or they need his defense, or a certain matchup, or they need another guard on the court. Um, but I think what we saw with the rotation on the stretch will hold. I think the starting five obviously will be yeah. the same if PJ if is healthy. I think obviously Tyler and Duncan are – I know people are saying, oh, maybe Duncan doesn't play in the playoffs. I think he is going to be a fixture in the bench rotation just because of yeah. what he provides with his shooting. I think Deadman will play most games, but maybe depending on the matchup, maybe that's when you see Marquise if they go small and they don't need, you know, another traditional center. Um, and then it comes down to Gabe and Victor, I would say. And Caleb. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Caleb was out of the, Caleb was out of the rotation for the final few weeks. He got he played the final two games because PJ was hurt. Yeah. That's the one guy I would say I'm not sure. I think they'll toggle between Gabe and, and Caleb based on the matchup with the ninth guy. Right, whether you need another wing yeah. or an extra ball handler. Yeah, and, and, and against Atlanta, I mean, they've used Caleb. He has used Caleb to guard Trey Young in most of their matchups. Yeah. So I wonder if it's kind of, it's like Jimmy's great, obviously as a defensive player. Bam's obviously great as a defensive player, but those guys are much better at guarding forwards. Um, and yeah. Kyle Lowry's obviously a very good defensive point guard too. But you don't, you don't want, want foul trouble either, right? And you don't want you don't want Jimmy. You don't want Kyle like chasing Trey Young around for no. thirty eight minutes. Yeah, so he's yeah. also such an important part of your offense. I'm guessing Gabe and Caleb will get all those minutes. Yeah, maybe Jimmy down the stretch guards him more, but. Caleb and Gabe, I think we'll get a lot of those minutes, and it'll depend on the game, depend on the matchup. Um, but I think for the most part, the core of the rotation will stay the same. Yeah, the the offense, which obviously has been like kind of the focus, going the, like you said, the smaller lineups, trying to you know this. It's been the question mark for the team all year. Is the half court offense has been up and down, and it's up when the shooters are hitting, so get more shooters on the floor, right? Um, that's kind of like the you know. There's so many ways. It feels like every month or two we come on here and we're like, wow, Kyle Lowry really important to the team for this. Um, the fact that you go from having two all-defense guys, right, Jimmy and Bam are both all-defense guys last year, and you add Kyle Lowry, who probably has an outside chance to be an all-defense guy this year, right? I've definitely seen him on some ballots. We'll, we'll yeah, maybe talk about your ballot in a little bit, yeah. but um, that makes a huge difference, right? Like where uh, you can sacrifice the defense in other areas, which is something that he, you know, it's, 
whether or not he's right, it's something Eric Spolster is not going to do. He's not going to play three subpar defenders on the court at the same time. And that is never going to happen. It's just because of what they have with those three guys, it can never happen in crunch time. Yeah, but I do think we've seen over the final few weeks Spolstra being a little bit more willing to give up some defense. Right. To get more offense on the court. Because you see, I mean, the defense has been great all year. And right. I think, like you said, it's going to be good when you have guys like Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle playing. Right, the, the floor of that defense is pretty yeah. high. Yeah, but you need the offense to not to be mediocre, which it was for those few weeks of, you know, in the season. Or not even mediocre, it was below average mm-hmm. when they were in that run. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's thought he, he's kind of made the decision to let's juice up the offense a little bit and might get, you know, might lose a little bit on defense, but we need the offense to score more, be more efficient. And it's worked. You know, again, we'll see in the playoffs based on matchups, what he'll do. Um, but I think for now, since it has been working, I think it will, you know, we'll see the same thing. And, I, and regarding Victor, like I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, Victor deserves to play, he scored 40 points. How do you not play him in the playoffs? He, you could argue he's, more talented than some of the guys that will be in the rotation. I think that's a fair argument to make. But in those games that he, you know, especially in Orlando, he had the ball. I don't even know what his his, his yeah. usage was. <laughs> it was like every possession. Yeah, no, he he had the ball the entire the entire game, yeah. and that's not the case obviously when Jimmy, Tyler, Bam, and Kyle are playing, and you need spot up shooters around them. That's not Victor. He's not a spot up shooter. He could be a slasher. Could he be an off ball cutter, sure. But what his team is looking for is spacing and shooters, and that's not the role Victor, you know, that's not what he's best at. So I just think the fit around the Heat's core guys just makes it so he probably will not play consistent minutes. I could be wrong, Yeah, but yeah, I, I think that's what it's one of the least, most consistent uh, things we've talked about with this Heat team since Jimmy Butler got here and Bam became an all-star is they are in such a unique position where their two best players are non-shooters. It's There probably isn't another team in the NBA like that. I don't think. And not, certainly not another playoff team. Not another contender, definitely. Um, and it forces you to, you know, you can't win in the NBA with three non-shooters. And like I said, it, it's been the, the tough balancing act Eric Spolster has had to make uh, in the last three seasons here is, you know, with Duncan. if you were playing Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Goran Dragic next to those two, you're sacrificing a lot on defense, but you're getting the shooting. Um, and that's what, you know, but that's what the Kyle Lowry thing is, where he is both a shooter and a defender, and it, it bridges that gap where now you can play those three, uh, Jimmy, Bam, Kyle, and you can stick Max Struess and Tyler Hero with them yeah. or whatever, and, like, your defense is going to be fine, or, you know, you can really load up on defense in those situations when you need it. And as we talked about a lot, maybe that is is – that's where, where Victor Oladipo, the, the two ways he could be is more likely to fit in this playoffs is uh, if he ever has the opportunity to be the primary ball handler, which probably is unlikely um, because of those three guys are all good with the ball in their hand. And then obviously Tyler Hero, you know, you'd probably need an injury for him to, to get that shot to be a guy who is going to lead a bench unit at some point in this playoffs. It's just not going to happen probably if this team is at full strength, or the defensive potential is still kind of interesting, right? That he yeah. can he can help you lock yeah. things down. That might be where he helps you most Yeah, when everyone's healthy, just his defense, on-ball defense, and extra really you know versatile defender that could Right. Switch. Can he be a better version of what we saw from Caleb Martin this year? I mean, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to say that right now because we haven't seen it. Um, but, you know, he's obviously played his best game uh, since his comeback on Sunday, so, like, he's trending in the right direction. 
Yeah. Uh, um, what, one note I wanted to make is just from the story you mentioned I wrote uh, yesterday about Jimmy and just kind of how every all the changes have been not to cater to him, but just to maximize his game. Um, I think he, it just all comes back to him. Jimmy played before the changes were made two weeks ago. Jimmy was averaging 8.5 minutes per game with, with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Uh, in the final, whatever, five, six games, you know, after the changes, he averaged 19 minutes a game um, with those two. So, and it was effective. I mean, that's yeah. a, if you're playing 32 minutes a game, that's more than half your time on yeah. the court. I think that's pretty, I think that's interesting, and it just kind of shows you the way Eric Spolstra wants to play moving forward. Um, so, I would expect to see more of that. Jimmy with Tyler and Duncan next to him. And probably, you know, Kyle in some of those cases or Gabe Vincent, mm-hmm. um, where it's just all space and just everyone's spreading, you know, three or four out and Jimmy in the paint or Jimmy posting up or Jimmy ISO at the top and kind of what they did with LeBron. I asked Eric Spolster that a few weeks ago. Are you kind of taking lessons you learned from LeBron, from coaching LeBron, uh, with, you know, and, and applying it here with Jimmy? And he's, he didn't want to make the comparison. That's not what Eric Spolster does, but he kind of said, yeah, they're unique. And you have, in order to maximize them, you have to do different things. And they're doing a very, they're using a very similar strategy as they did what you know with LeBron late in his Heat career, where it was, yeah. you know, a lot of times it was LeBron was at his best when Dwayne Wade wasn't out there because mm-hmm. they were playing, you know, Ray Allen, Mike. Same Milton, thing. You can't have you can only have so many non-shooters. It was a yeah. slightly different era, but it was the start of this era. Yeah, so I, I just think that's, that that was an interesting number um, just to monitor because I think it will be. Probably pretty similar once the playoffs start. Yeah, and it, and it sparked. It's not like you know some of these late season numbers are like throwaways, but it yeah. sparked the turnaround basically that they 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 had had their worst stretch of the season since then. They've been as good as ever. Uh, I want to just pose a question to you: The Heat will make the finals if blank. What what needs to happen for the Heat to make it to the finals? If Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are two of the best three players in every series. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Right. So so they if they play And Philly, not that they are not overall, but it's in the series. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, series. right. If they play Philly in the second round, one of those guys needs to outplay James Harden basically. Right. And then if if they play Milwaukee, one of those guys needs to outplay Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, or if they play Boston, one of those guys has to play outplay Jalen Brown. You need the two options. You need the two guys. It would um, also help. It would also oh, help what if Tyler here? What if I'm going to switch that to you? The Heat needs to have two of the three best players because couldn't Tyler Hero be one of the two? Yeah, he could. One of the three best players in any given series. Yeah, or maybe even Kyle in some series. But yeah. I would say yeah, the Heat have to have two of the three best players, and also it would help if the Heat shoot forty plus percent from three, like they did in yeah. the bubble. Yeah, well, that would help. <laughs> um, so. And on the flip side, the Heat will flame out of the playoffs. No, they're not. I think like we said they're not going to lose in the first round, probably. But the Heat will flame out of the playoffs, maybe like a disappointing six, five or six game loss in the second round. Yeah. The Heat will flame out of the playoffs if blank. If they don't make their threes, if they just have shooting yeah. struggles, I would say. I think that's what it is. It's kind of it oversimplifies things. I know it's a make or miss league, the cliche, right. but, you know, this team shot close to 50% during their winning streak to close the right. year. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that was about. Yeah, yeah, we can overanalyze all the rotation changes we want, but if you shoot 40. Seven percent from three over in a series, you're going to win. So, um, and this team has the best two point shooting percentage in the NBA. Yeah, so it's obviously, right. it's, it's, it's a thing. It's not like a fluke. Sure. I mean, fifty percent—they're not going to shoot fifty percent, no. obviously. But 
you know, they're they're a really great shooting team. So yeah. Also, also, if Jimmy shoots like forty percent on threes, like he did over the final few weeks, that would help yeah. too. Oh yeah, you, is, like what what's up with that? I I I mean, I talked to guys. I wrote a story. It was like a kind of a thing. They were all saying it was coming, and then it came. Like, yeah, it's kind of then funny. it came. I think the, honestly, when when we talk about spacing and so and where we, I feel like people are sick of at this point. But I think they told Jimmy like, if you're open, shoot it. Like you're not, you know, the numbers say you're not a good three point shooter, but over his career, he's been okay. You know, so if you're open, they're leaving you open. Take the shot if you're in rhythm, because that'll help at least. Maybe they'll think about going out to you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what gotten him to shoot more threes, and they're just going in now. So it's funny because. In the bubble, he also kind of got in a weird hot streak. Yeah. Like a well-timed hot streak. And I just I just laugh because it just feels like every time the playoffs come around, like he just starts making threes all of a sudden after shooting 18% yeah. for the rest of the season. Shots get harder. You got to take them. He's also wearing shooting a shooting sleeve now. Yeah, um, what he said, he's like, uh, did he say it was Allen Iverson or something? Yeah, he said he's, he was wearing a wristband and a shooting sleeve, so he's like Allen Iverson mixed with Luka Doncic. Right, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say uh, Allen Iverson never never was a three point shooter, but we'll take no. it. I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. I guess. I guess he maybe was a friend of Luca as a three point shooter. Yeah. But it was funny. One after one press conference, it was on the road. I think it might have been in Boston or I don't know, what some city. I lose track. But he uh, he was doing a press conference with Kyle, like together. And as they were leaving the room, Jimmy yelled, "Shooters out!" And he left the room. And Kyle was just like shaking his head. All right, Anthony. I want to wrap up. Uh, I want to get to your some awards talk because uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. But obviously, you have ballots, so I'm, I'm curious which direction you've gone with a couple of these close calls we discussed. Uh, but I guess before we have to talk about the the Jimmy Butler report from the Athletic, um, from Joe Varden, uh, that um, I just had it up, but I've lost it. Um, Basically, that the, there's speculation from players on other teams that, that Jimmy Butler might want out this uh, offseason. I don't know if I've ever quite seen a report like that where it's players on other teams. It's not like front office executives and all that kind of stuff. Is um, it players? I thought it was executives. Was it players? Maybe it was players and executives. Um, okay. yeah, anyway, it was yeah. unusual, um, especially because, you know, obviously I think that was the nightmare scenario after the Heat um, – after the, the the Jimmy Butler blow up on the bench uh, in the Warriors game, but but since then the Heat really seems to have uh, righted the ship. Um, as you mentioned, Jimmy Butler's cracking jokes in press conferences. It kind of like you know you're out, obviously out there more frequently than I am, and um, it kind of feels like the same old Heat lately. And maybe they're putting on a, a front, a good face or whatever. But what what did you make of that report? Um. I think it's interesting that it didn't come from the Heat or Jimmy's camp, you know. So yeah. at that point, it's like, you know, maybe some players or some executives, you know, know because they talk, you know, everyone talks to different people, but speculation, right? Like executives talking about that Jimmy could want it. Just mm-hmm. because of the outside looking in, obviously it didn't look good that he was fighting with Eric Spolcher and Udonis Hazel on the bench. So I don't know what, you know, how much to take from it, obviously. Um, I do know, um, according to a quote-unquote source, that Jimmy's not looking to leave the Heat. That's like the last thing he's looking to leave, do. So I, I don't think maybe others are speculating that from other teams. Um, but I think the thinking is within the organization and with Jimmy's camp. Jimmy's not going anywhere. 
he wants to finish his career with Miami. Um, whatever happens is playoffs. So mm-hmm. if things change, sure. But I don't I, I I'm not saying I'm not trying to shoot down to the report hundred percent. Yeah. But just I'm talking to people more directly like closer to the situation. That's not the feeling that I got. I'll, I'll read the key paragraph from the report uh, from Joe Barton of The Athletic, who's you know obviously very plugged in. Yeah. Like, he's, he's a guy. Um, full offseason, the signings of Lowry and P.J. Tucker pressure up the heat, and, and to this point, the team has endured. But when Spolcher's clipboard hit the floor in Butler's wake, rival executive and even players on other teams noticed. They began to speculate that in the event of an early playoff exit, I think that's a key sentence, key, key phrase there, uh, the Heat would look to move on from Butler, which is bonkers to even consider given the three-year $146 million contract extension they signed him to last summer. Uh, that also feels like an important detail that I think in a lot of aggregations has not been mentioned. Yeah. Uh, rival players speculated that Butler worn down by the demands of heat, quote, culture. He didn't quote heat culture. He didn't heat, quote, culture. Um, could seek a trade if that doesn't work out this spring. Um, this doesn't make sense to me because Jimmy's been <laughs> all about I know, I know. Work and waking up at three in the morning to get work in and this and yeah, it doesn't jive with, you know, it doesn't jive with the the history of why Jimmy Butler has gotten frustrated with situations was guys not working hard, right? Yeah. It is he hated uh, according to reports, kind of hated Ben Simmons, right? He he liked Joel Embiid, hated Ben Simmons. Um, obviously, we've seen Joel Embiid is blossomed into an MVP candidate and improved his game a lot, and I think uh, for all of Ben Simmons. Strengths and and weak and uh, controversies. The one clear weakness in his game is he's not really improved since he's gotten in the NBA. Um, you know, I don't want to like say that's a shout at his work ethic, but you you know, obviously it is. His progress has not been uh, to the same level of of a guy like Joel Embiid, and obviously in in Minnesota, <laughs> that team is so young and and kind of I think like immature probably at the time, right? It's probably yeah. kind of fair to say. Obviously, uh, awesome win for them. Last night with Pat Bev jumping on the table, um, but you know it took a long time. That was time incredible. It's it from Minnesota, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that team, by the way. Yeah, I mean, they're fun. Anthony Edwards is fun. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah, he's awesome. and, he's, and he's just just a fun personality. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but yeah, it took them a long time. Like they clearly were were not ready to to be up to Jimmy Butler's standards. And so, like you said, it, it doesn't jive with what we know. We know Jimmy can be moody and mercurial. Yeah, and, and there's no doubt about it. And that. again, Jimmy, if they lose in the first round of the playoffs, like, it changes everything. But yeah, For sure. It changes, I mean, it changes all the conversations around this team. Right, what exactly. do you do with Tyler Hero? What do you do with, you know, it's just like, there'll be a lot of different so, conversations. So I think the, 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 ca- the couching on it of an early playoff exit, what does an early playoff exit mean, is obviously one detail there. But yeah, an early playoff exit, obviously, is going to cause Jimmy Butler to be like, what the heck am I doing here? But it's also going to cause the Heat to be like, what the heck are we doing with Jimmy Butler here, potentially? Yeah, that's why I think and, – and, and, and Joe Barton – And as we said, the bracket like, worked out where it's pretty unlikely they're going to, like, flame out of the playoffs because that, yeah, would, that would, would take a second-round meltdown, basically. I'd be pretty shocked if they lost in the first round. Yeah. I'd be very shocked if they lost in the first round. And I think it's important that Joe Barton wrote the word speculate. Because right. yeah, I yeah. think I think that's what it is. Like I know aggregators are taking it and running it with like Jimmy Butler's going to demand a trade. If it's speculation among guys around the league, yeah, and know? guys who obviously so, probably know Jimmy a little bit better than we do and all that kind yeah. of stuff, so that they understand his his mindset a little bit. Um, we don't know who the form. You know, we don't know if they're guys who played with Jimmy or work out with him. You know, we don't know who those players are, but um, 
yeah, like you said, it's speculation. Um, it shouldn't be like totally ignored again because Joe Barton is a good reporter and Paul right. the athletic wouldn't run it if they thought it was just clickbait. That's not, that's not their business, obviously. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, we're, we're a long way from, from that happening or maybe a short way if the Heat somehow losing the first round. Yeah, obviously. If they lose in the first round, I think everyone's going to be frustrated. Yeah. Um, like you said, the te- not only Jimmy Butler, but the team itself will be frustrated with the roster, and I'm sure changes will be made. But that'd be pretty surprising if that happened. All right, uh, let's talk some awards. Um, first of all, what what Heat players made ballots for you, All-NBA um, awards, all that kind of stuff? Well, I've always kind of loved the sixth man of the year. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Tyler here, obviously, sixth man yeah. of the year. Um, Shout out to Kevin Love, though. I always like Kevin Love. Kevin Love was second on my ballot. Did you vote him second? Okay. Yeah, and then Cam Johnson from Phoenix. So that was my. I love Cam favorite. Johnson, too. I also love his younger brother, Puff Johnson. He's in college, right? Yeah, he's at UNC. He, he played exactly. key minutes in the Final Four. Yeah, both went to UNC. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the easiest one. Yeah, um, no-brainer. He's going to win, win, I think, close to unanimously. Yeah, your, your hot take from the preseason. Good job, Barry. Anyway, um... <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year, I voted Bam first. First time. Yeah. Okay. I think I told you I was probably going to do that this year, but I wasn't yeah. sure at that point yet. Going through the numbers, I <laughs> think he. Sh- I, I don't. I don't think he's going to win it. I think he has Although, a shot though, because it seems like there's like seven different guys who are going to get first place votes. <laughs> like it's yeah. all over the place. And I was. I haven't seen this yet, but I, I was told by some. I guess he talked about his podcast, or I don't know if he posted something this morning. But I was told Zach Lowe also voted for Bam Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, so we know at least a couple. I, th- I think I saw one of like the straw polls that came out right before had someone else advice. So he's going to get votes. Dan, Dan, Devi- Dan Devine. Dan Devine. Yeah. Also wrote. Also voted Bam defense player of the year. So he'll get a he'll get a few, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Marcus Smart is obviously a top candidate. Yeah, it seems like Smart's the favorite. Up Bridges, obviously, but my ballot for defensive player of the year, yeah. my, my my ballot for defensive player of the year was Bam first, Gobert second, and Jaron Zach- Jackson third. It's hard to leave Smart off and Bridges. It was tough. Uh, if he if he loses, you're gonna get all these Celtics fans in your mentions. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> um, I, Smart's great. Smart is great, but I mean Rudy. And I know Rudy gets a lot of. Not many people love Rudy just because he can get schemed out in the playoffs. But he is Utah's defense. Like, and this is a regular season award, so I try to think about it as you know in the regular season, this regular season, because that's what right. we're going for. Utah had a middle middle attack defense. With Rudy in there, they were a top five defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he is their defense. That's it. Like, and to me, that's to anchor a defense like that and make that much of a difference as opposed to you know Marcus Smart, very good. But you can make the argument Robert Williams is more important than Marcus Smart. Yeah, Boston's defense. And then Mikhail Bridges, very good defender. His metrics aren't great because Phoenix actually has a better defense when he's on the bench than when he's on the court. Interesting. Which is weird. His, his individual metrics are great, <clears throat> yeah. But his team metrics—it's just so it was hard for me to also vote for him for that reason. How can you be defensive player of the year yeah. when the team's defense is a little bit better when you're not playing? Uh-huh. So, and that's not—I'm not saying that's his fault, <laughs> but it's just that's the case. So, uh, Bam to me checked all the boxes. So I, you know, I, that was my first place vote. Um, other than that, I mean, Spo, I, I, I will say with defensive player of the year, I do value, and I know Bam was not an all star this year. Jaron Jackson was not an all star this year. Uh, I do value guys who are like 
all-star level all-around players, right? And those guys are. Obviously, Bam has been an all-star before. Jaron Jackson, like, probably will be an all-star next year. Um, I, I value that. Like, Marcus Smart is great, but, like, he is, like, 80% defense, 20% offense, right? Whereas where these other guys are uh, – Gobert is, is obviously closer to that kind of split, but he's – you know, he might be all-NBA. Like, he, he does a lot on offense, too. Um but of these, those other guys, I, I value that 50-50 split. It's, it's pretty easy to just pick a guy who's like, that's his whole job is defense. Unless they're like a transcendent defensive guy. Like ben Wallace. Yeah, yeah, Ben Wallace. And those guys end up obviously becoming all-stars strictly because of their defense in, in a lot of ways. Um, then, then I value that that two-way thing that, that Bam certainly brings. And if Bam, I think if Bam played 70 games, he'd be – not a lock for this award, but I think he might be the favorite. I think people are using that missed games against him. Yeah, I've seen that a few times where they'll justify not voting for Bam because of the, the games he missed. Yeah, um, so that's fair. But I, yeah, that was my that was my vote. Um, Coach of the year: Monty Williams first, Gibbs second, and Taylor Jenkins third. I think Monty deserves. He probably should have won it last year, honestly. Yeah, should have. Um, uh, who even won it last year? I honestly don't remember. Was it Tom Thibodeau? It might have been Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, I think it was. I think you're right. Um, I, so, I think yeah. that's the way like everyone's ballots gonna go. By the way, maybe Jenkins second. I think it went to Jenkins second a lot of ballots, but yeah. yeah. Those, I mean, those... yeah, splitting hairs between those two guys. I mean, Taylor Jenkins has done an incredible job. Spo, we know because we've seen it up close, but like everything they've gone through this year to still be where they are is right. kind of incredible. Um, nobody on all rookie, obviously all defense. I gave Bam first team. I mean, he's my defensive player of the yep. year. Nobody else from the Heat. Okay. Uh, uh, and then all NBA put Jimmy thirteen, which we talked about. A lot, last week. Yeah. Um, I just think the advanced metrics show how important he's been to this Heat team. Um, his numbers are pretty, very similar actually to what he produced last year when I voted him, I think, second team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it just made sense. I think there was a spot for him. The only guy really that I think was on the fence that I didn't vote for was between Trey and Chris Paul. I voted for Trey just because Chris Paul, the games he missed. Um, yeah. Trey Young is awesome. He most and, honestly, like he's weirdly like kind of simultaneously the most overrated player in the league and the most underrated. He's yeah, weird. It's, it's weird. It's true because I feel like some people. Yeah, I feel like some. There's a feeling of that he's overrated, but he's a great offensive player. My he's God, absurd. he's incredible. So, um, yeah, those are the Heat guys who made my ballot. We'll see what happens. I think I'm pretty confident. Obviously, that that Tyler will win Six Man of the Year. Bam, I'm not sure. I would think Bam would finish top three, but like you said, there's so many candidates that yeah going to be close. Um, I think Jimmy has a solid chance of making third team. I've seen his mm-hmm. name a lot out there on third team. Um, not a lock, but a, I think a good chance. Um, and Spo, I, I think Monty's going to win. Yeah, sure. I think Monty's as, clo- uh, as close to a lot. Like, yeah. he's, yeah. He and Tyler are kind of the biggest locks we have going into this. Yeah, so week. he might finish top three. I wouldn't be surprised if he'll finish top three, but I don't think he's going to win it. Um, who do you end up going with like as your six forwards on All-NBA? How did you squeeze Jimmy in? So I, yeah, I, I did not do. I was gonna do it. The Jokic. I didn't do Jokic and Bean. Okay. Because I'll get I that later. Because I want to ask who you voted for for MVP and why. Okay. But like, give me your forwards first. My forwards: Giannis, Tatum on the first team. Mm-hmm. LeBron. Durant. You did go LeBron. Okay, I was wondering if. Yeah. I just he put up incredible numbers and. It's hard to fault him for the team's lack of success because that team has had so many issues. Yeah. Um, he, he was really good this year. So LeBron, Kevin Durant, the second team. 
and then Pascal and Demar on the third team. I actually had Jimmy as a guard. Oh, okay. I, didn't know oh, I, ju- I was, I just, I, I was okay doing that because Jimmy plays a lot of guard. He a lot does. Of he's a point guard, guard a lot of the time. Like, so, and Lowry, yeah. On the ballot specifically, this is what got me not to do Embiid on first team, which I think kind of gave away my MVP vote. But okay, um, well, it could be Giannis. It could be Giannis. Could be, could Giannis. be Giannis. Yeah. Um, it says, please vote for the player at his position he plays at regularly. All right, so it's the instruction, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, Embiid is eligible as a forward, and I'm sure he will get votes there. But I I just said, okay, I'm going to follow the instructions then. Because uh-huh. they're centers. They're both centers. You can't, like, Joel Embiid did not play as a forward, right. forward this year. So I just followed the instructions. Uh-huh. Uh, so you went Jokic for MVP? I went Jokic for MVP. That's, yeah. what, that's the way I would have gone. I, I know people are, like, there's this whole conversation about, you know, all the numbers. and So stupid. Stuff. It, like, there is a reason he's number one on all of the and, – and and it's not just, like, the advanced numbers. It's just look at his season averages. And his he should, like, 65% from the field. Like, he's ridiculous. It's incredible. And, and Denver is, like, one of the worst teams in the NBA when he's not on the court. When he's on the court, they're, like, among the best teams. And, you know, obviously they're going to be – uh, playoff team, so mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I think he deserved it. I mean, Joel Embiid had an incredible year. I know Giannis didn't get some votes as well. Um, he also had a very good year. I feel like people just like have Giannis fatigue and it's just like, oh, whatever. It's kind of expected. Mm-hmm. He also had an amazing year, so I think those three will probably get the most votes. But I want Jokic. He's just uh, the numbers, the advanced numbers, what he does, for the, you know, the impact he made for the Nuggets this year. I think he deserves it. Yeah, now he's. I mean. Obviously, Embiid won the scoring title, um, but Jokic scores a ton super efficiently and also is, what, top eight, I think, in the league in assists and a good enough defensive player now that the that's not a, such a striking uh, difference between the two of them. Um, and, you know, I think it hurt Embiid that James Harden showed up. They were the one seed, and it's kind of, like, not not all his fault, but, like, you know, a big part of his case was he was dragging this this team that was <laughs> undermanned to the top seed. And when you slide to fourth, like all of a sudden the difference between finishing fourth and finishing sixth is not as not as big a deal. You know, yeah, if they had yeah. won the East, I think he would have been different. Case. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. Let me read you. Jokic is number one in player efficiency rating, win shares, offensive win shares, win yeah. shares for 48 minutes, box plus minus, offensive box plus minus, defensive box plus minus, value over replacement. He's he's been the best player in the NBA this season. Like, I know you can argue against numbers, but when that numbers are that overwhelming, I think it's pretty obvious he's been the best player. He's had the best season um, and the biggest biggest positive impact uh, on his team among all players in the NBA. So yeah, and he's good I, at all. And he's good at all your classic uh, like points per game, field goal per. Like he's good yeah. at all your classic numbers too. So. Yeah, he's averaging 27 points a game on 58% shooting, 11, yeah. 14 rebounds a game. Yeah. You look at who the guys who he's behind, like situated behind in field goal percentage, it's like Gobert, Allen, Harrell, Aiton, Zubat, Pirtle, Capella. Like those are and all guys who literally just yeah. dunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Jokic. So Jokic has the best field goal percentage of like a real, you know, bam, 10th. Good for bam. Yeah. I think bam, I think there was a stat that he shot like over 60% and like, his last 12 games or something like that, bam. So, yeah, he's, he had a I good I think the Jokic number I had was maybe uh, his two-point percentage is like 
something. Well, he's shooting, he's shooting 58% from the field. So field, cool. exactly. And he shoots decent amount of threes. Um, yeah. So. Um, I'm curious, and this is like an award, like ultimately, who cares about it? But who who did you vote for Rookie of the Year? I voted for Evan Mobley. Okay. You didn't go with uh, South Florida's own Scotty Barnes? I thought Mobley had the best year in like as a whole. Um, yeah. I think his, he was he was in the conversation for all defense. So I just yeah, think on both ends. Yeah. On both ends, I think he was the best rookie. Um, Scotty Scotty Barnes made a late, very strong late push, and so did Cade Cunningham. But I just think as a whole, like consistency wise, and just play on both ends of the floor, I think Mobley was the best rookie. Not saying he's had the best career of the three, but I think he had the best rookie season. Yeah, I love both those guys. Awesome rookie class. Um, so. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, it was always tough. I mean, honestly, the toughest award this year was Defensive Player of the Year to vote for, to me. Yeah. There were so many candidates, so many guys probably deserved a vote. Um, that Last year, All-NBA was impossible. This year, I didn't think All-NBA was that bad. I think the last guard spot was really, like, the biggest issue. And also, if you were going to vote Embiid and, right. and Jokic together on the first team. Once those decisions were made, I think it was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, check out MiamiHerald.com and the paper, if you're interested in that, uh, for uh, heat coverage all through the playoffs. Obviously, as he said, uh, game one tips off Sunday at 1 p.m. We'll be back uh, every week, obviously, during the playoffs. And, you know, if it gets far enough, maybe some special editions. I think when they went to the finals a couple of years ago, we recorded after every game. Like two in the morning, yeah. Yeah, so so we'll see we'll see how interesting this gets. Um, maybe do some special stuff on the YouTube channel, on the Herald Sports YouTube channel, which maybe you're watching this on. If not, you can watch Anthony and I talk um, about uh, the Heat there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, again, just MiamiHerald.com. I'm, I'm everywhere these days. A lot of Panthers. Obviously, their playoff push is coming up soon. Um so it's going to be a, a very fun um, May in South Florida. Once the Panthers get started, he, I guess we'll probably be in the second round by then, assuming nothing disastrous happens in this first round. Uh, Miami baseball, number two in the country. Um, it's a pretty good time to be a South Florida sports fan right now. I thought you were going to say the Marlins are number two in the country. but The Marlins are not number two <laughs> in the country. Poor Marlins. I, I think we said it last week. Poor Marlins. I know. I know. We'll it's see. Tough, they, it's a part of the year for them. Yeah. With everything going on in South Florida and sports and everyone having success and, yeah, them not so much so far. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>